0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at CXChronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Playbox, workforce engagement management for contact centers. Empower your agents, team leaders, quality control analysts, and managers with real-time resources and intelligence needed to drive positive customer experience that increases productivity and revenue. PlayVox is a leading cloud native digital-first solution for contact centers across the world. Customer service teams from around the globe choose PlayVox as their workforce management and quality assurance solution to increase their agent productivity, improve their customer experience, and reduce operating costs. Check out what the team is working on today at PlayVox.com. Hey guys, are you looking for ways that you can improve your company's customer experience, customer success, and revenue operations? Then reach out to CX Chronicles. We created CXC after years of being practitioners ourselves, experiencing firsthand the challenges and opportunities of building and managing CXCS revenue operations team from the ground up at a scaling organization. Why work with CX Chronicles? Number one, you get executive level expertise and credibility from day one. We jump in and ramp up as quickly as you need us. Number two, you get actionable CTAs that will maximize your CX and CS ROI. We investigate and audit the economics of your existing CX and CS structure and determine how it can be optimized. And number three, check out our amazing CX and CS focused SaaS partners. We're working with Salesforce, HubSpot, Sturdy, Zendesk, customers. Help Scout, Churn Zero, Freshworks, and more. Reach out to CXE today, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chizana. Super excited for today's show, guys. We have an awesome guest here. Emily Gray is joining us from PlayVox. And Emily's going to share not only her story around becoming a customer-focused business leader, but she's going to talk about a bunch of cool stuff that her and the Playbox team are doing today. Um, Emily, why don't you start off today's show? You're the Chief Customer Officer at of Playbox. How did you get into the space? How did you find your way into working in customer experience and customer success? Um, p- please take p- take the mic over and give us a sense for how you got into this whole crazy world.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. So um, so I'll just kind of get right into it. So I've been part of the Playbox team for three years now. So as Chief Customer Officer, I lead our customer-facing teams, right? So focusing on having the best experience for customers at every touch point, every interaction. So um, kind of think of that entire customer journey. So my role today includes our solution consulting and services teams, um, our delivery teams, our onboarding project management, customer success managers, and our global customer support. So really kind of anything that touches that customer falls within, within customer success. Um, my background, as you said, like my background is in customer success, like customer facing roles. So all very different roles I've had over the years, but all focused on that, you know, customer facing. Um, so, you know, kind of started in that, that back of the house, like operations role, um, you know, what's kind of, you know, feet on the ground, right? Like being able to get into the weeds there, um, solutions engineering, like big on like how to make the, you know, how to make the, what we're selling to customers, how to go and actually implement it, Right. Um, you know, how to solution customers, making them feel better about what um, the the change management that they're going through. I think a big piece is, um, you know, seeing a need and creating a position there. So many of the positions that I've had in my career were net new. So meaning that there was nobody in that role. Um, Obviously that depends on, you know, the type of company you work at and, um, you know, the the products that you have. But being able to say, I see a need that can help our customer experience in this capacity and then creating a role um, and then really kind of, you know, parlaying that into a department, parlaying that into kind of the journey there. So my my background's kind of, it's been a few different roles, like you said, but all in a very customer-centric, customer-facing roles. Um, and the industry has changed a lot um, over, I won't age myself, but over that <laughs> time too, right? Where customer success, you know, 10 years ago, that was not a common term that you heard, right? Um, and there was different levels of like account management and CX and things like that. But now customer success, that is, you know, any SaaS company, like any customer experience company, um uh, or a department if you will that focuses on customer experience um cs is just you know it's so you have to have it to do business right so um, so a little bit yeah a little bit about my team my background
0: i love it so wait a couple of things number one your comment about having had multiple times where you had to kind of build a build a role from scratch number one most people aren't comfortable with that so kudos to you emily for even jumping into that because number one it's hard to feel like an early role where you're basically pitching and pivoting you're figuring out new things every single day you're figuring out sort of what the role clarity looks like you're figuring out maybe what you could possibly measure and manage on it but number one so kudos to you for being brave and jumping into that and saying yes to doing that but i got to imagine though now fast forward to where you are today as chief customer officer at playbox probably pretty helpful to be able to kind of you mentioned the customer journey like understanding the different the the different fields of the customer journey or the different segments of the journey or the different areas that happen in it understanding how a role might even be able to interplay with other existing mature teams departments roles again thinking about that clarity piece where you kind of put some definitions around what that role is going to look like or how it might even expand into a department or team sounds like pretty good stuff for kind of setting you up for what you're doing right now like meaning like it was probably some of the early building blocks around just how to think strategically and how to think be innovative and think about sort of what these things can do and how you can really kind of create roles or create focus areas within any business to better serve your customers so I think that's pretty, pretty awesome that that's kind of how you how you cut your teeth with that
1: yeah you know that that's true like how to better service customers like you said so um in a lot of CX folks like they wear multiple hats right that term of you do multiple things and you've got a job description and then you do all these other tasks that are kind of outside of your job description and I think you know where it comes to be where you start saying hey you know it'd be great to have somebody focus full-time on this, right? So you kind of start, yeah. you pick up little tasks and um, and start focusing on it and seeing improvements, seeing customer experience improvements, um, seeing efficiency gains within your internal teams. And then, you know, that kind of develops into its own business case where you can say, you know what, if we actually, I'm only giving 20% of my time to this yeah. you know, task, right? If we actually had somebody focusing on this 100% of the time, look what the impact to our customers could be and that's how you build a business case right so um, some people might say i've never built a business case or like how do i build a business case for myself right it's kind yeah. of those building blocks like hey this is where you can have it if we had somebody doing this 100 of the time this is the outcome that we could have um and then hey i've got a perfect person to do that right that's me totally. and so <laughs> that's kind of where you can go, go and and kind of develop that um you know for for folks that are kind of in that position where you know, they might be doing, they might be wearing multiple hats, but when do you kind of say, okay, we need somebody to do this full time, right? It's it's kind of building that business case and when that makes sense.
0: I love it. You're, you're spot on and, and it's just, it's almost way too common to see customer experience, customer success, client services, account management, enter whatever type of term, different companies and different leadership teams are calling this, this customer focused, um, these roles, right? And these, and these, these different players of the pitch, but like, it's way too common for these roles to get completely like, like over in, in data with all these different tasks and activities and responsibilities. And then before you know it, like there's a million different KPIs and performance metric counts and not all of them are really truly in their control, right? Like there's like, for, for some of our listeners, if you're not taking time to really kind of ma- minimally once a quarter or w- once every every other quarter, look at some of the KPIs you're putting in front of your CX and CS team and do a, do a quick checklist run through of, are any of these are any of these KPIs actually in my team's control or in my CSM's roles or in my CXMS control or are they not? Right. Because I think a lot of companies they kind of get carried away and there's a that are comment about our spaces evolved rapidly. So over the last 10 years between customer experience customer success, there's tons of content out there. There's tons of podcasts, there's tons of playbooks, there's all these different really great you know sets of wisdom and knowledge but the reality is that one of the beautiful parts of CX and CS, like every company does have a slightly different iteration. Every customer base has got a slightly different set of nuances that they require to really kind of knock it out of the park with them. But um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's again, it's why this is one of the most fun places and spaces to to work in in, in most businesses, I think. Um, Emily, I'd love for you to, let's talk about Playbox. Let's talk about your team. Let's start, let's jump into the first CX pillar. I'd love to kind of learn a little bit about how the Playbox team has been built, and then I'd love for you to kind of dig in on your team. You mentioned a couple of the the teams that you're already working with hand in hand every day, but spend a few minutes talking about um, how you guys have gone about building, scaling, leading uh, your team at Playbox.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Playbox for those that aren't aren't familiar, it's a fully digital, cloud based workforce engagement management software. So um, we're cloud native, digital first, which is you know very relevant in. Um, the world that we live in today so we have a suite of different workforce engagement management software so we forecast schedule teams um, we have performance project uh, product to track agent performance measure impact quality prod- product to measure um, development and coaching um, and so i work with our customers who are also in the cx space right those are who we sell to at playbox so i have a very unique um a perspective and i'm able to see the view as working with our customers in this space that are you know doing the same thing that that essentially you know we're talking about here but then also given um you know given my role i also have a customer experience team as well right so i kind of see see both sides of that so um you know i kind of mentioned some of my team right everything kind of customer facing one thing i will say and you kind of touched on this is Customer success can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different organizations.
0: Big time. So Big time.
1: like clearly defining like what does CS mean for your team? What is um customer experience, whatever you want to call it, right? What does that mean at your organization? Um, I think that's really, really important. And that, that can evolve, right? It doesn't have to be set in stone today. Um and it's never changing. And, and actually it should change, as right? Your business changes and um the the market and and you know, the the industry, like that, that should evolve. Um, But that's really important to define, like, what is customer experience? What does CS mean at my organization? Um, So I think that's first. And once you get that right, then you can start kind of defining all of those different OKRs. So um, when we look at, you know, my team, um, you know, customer success, like I said, is really anything kind of that post initial sale. So anything that that touches a customer from um, the experience that they have with our products uh, to the, the customer support to that onboarding experience. To any kind of package services that we have um, that all falls within my team. Um, we have a global team, kind of matches the the global footprint of our customers as well. Um, you know, and you know, that's at the end of the day, like some of the common the common threads of the team, right? Like customer first, right? And that's that's the difference when you look at customer success teams. Like they they have to be the person that breathes and advocates that throughout the whole organization, right? Every organization right likes to say, like, we're customer first, but it starts with that customer experience team, right? They've gotta be the ones that really parlay that into other parts of the organization and are like the living, breathing examples for that Um, because it is such a, you know, such a foundation of a a structure of a company. They're the, what I like to call like the frontline employees, right? Like they hear what customers are saying, like they feel that, you know? So they gotta get that to other parts of the organization. So my team works with, they work with product, work with engineering, we work with finance uh legal like every single department within playbox the customer success team touches and so it's our job to um you know to relay like what are customers feeling what are customers saying how do they like interacting with their products what could we be doing better right we're the front line so we've got to kind of um push that into other parts of the organization
0: it's um i i i say this on a constant basis and it's so good to hear more and more and more like superstar CX and CSers and customer focused business leaders agreeing this, but I, I I've been saying like for years now Emily, CX and CS if done properly it's a team sport. It is literally a team sport that requires almost the entire organization. And then here's another thing, guys. Right, for for some of our listeners, if you're working at a company that you're you're kind of rolling your eyes you're saying, well, that's not how it goes here. That's, it's tough because realistically, this is also top down. You need executive buy-in to create that type of culture that Emily's laying out where it's like, there's an understanding that the minute you kind of paint that customer journey map and you sort of have a really good idea of sort of what your typical customer journey is and all the different ebbs and flows and how they, how they, how they come from the very beginning of the journey, all the way to the end of like retention and and loyalty and, and, and ongoing, you know, continued um, work with your business, um, you're going to see so clearly how there's marketing involvement, there's sales involvement, there's operative involvement, there's CX and CS involvement, there's financial involvement. There's like, you you very quickly get to see like how there absolutely is a touch and a play for every team and every department in your business. Now, if you're not if you're not at a company that's doing that, number one, then you should probably talk to someone like Emily or myself because it gets an easy exercise to get people to realize how to kind of come around the table. And then the other thing is just like, um, you hear so much talk in business about like silos and having like different like you know different uh, com- uh departments that kind of build on their own island and they do their own thing and they worry about their own culture and their own politics but if you look at some of the best companies on planet earth i i i, I say this all the time i don't know that you can absolutely completely disrupt silos i think silos as companies grow as they scale as they get bigger as more people come on is more uh individual talent and expertise comes on in leadership roles. It's I get it. It's hard, right? You got you kind of have to build what's in your control and focus on what's in your control. But I think one of the one of the biggest value adders that that excellent modern CX and CS leaders do. Is they they just push on that team sport concept, Emily? Just like you said, and a biggest part of their a biggest part of their 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 involvement in the team, it's almost helping to like orchestrate, right? Bouncing across these different roles, understanding the caveats, understanding granularities, helping to almost paint back a big a bigger picture of like what the trends or the themes are that you really have to prioritize. So um, I I love it. I, I I I love some of the stuff that you're kind of laying out, and I think that it's just so important for our listeners to think about. How they can kind of start building some of their own iterations within their own businesses and their own teams around this type of a, of an idea if they're not already doing so already
1: yeah yeah you know, it's totally and, and you know it's not going to just be one thing right like i wish i could give you like one magic thing to do that just to make every organization you know focus on the customer experience and customer centric um but it's all it's you know it's kind of that strategy of little little things so you're talking about customers and meetings right if you depending on kind of your business right you're bringing an actual person's story to, um, you know, an all hands meeting, right? So in our situation, right, we're so our customers, our end customers are our agents within the contact center, right? They're, so they're using our product on a day to day basis. So um, being able to, you know, share a quick 30 second video of an actual user of your product and share that with the entire company, right? Share that with somebody um, in engineering who might have um, done the the code on that specific part of the feature they're using, but, right? Or if yeah. you have a retail product, right? sharing. Um, you know, sharing the story of somebody that is actually using your product with others, right? Some of those like small things to bring out the customer, in every interaction that you have across your, your different departments, like that falls within the CX team to do that. Um, but again, it's going to be like a lot of little things working with like cross-functional leaders.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, Emily, I'd love to dive into the second CX pillar of tools. I'd love to spend just a few minutes talking about sort of how you and the Playbox team kind of thought about building out and scaling your 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 internal tech stack, and then I'd love to kind of I'd love you for you to expand on the actual Playbox tools as well, and kind of give our listeners some ideas for sort of some of the different ways that you're working with your customers, some of the different tools and some of the different um, um, solutions that you you're really kind of helping to transform businesses. Spend a few minutes talking about tools.
1: Yeah, so tools, like organizations love tools, right? Um, so, you know, tools and, and solutions can be great, but you have to use like the technology that you're using. You have to use it purposely, right? Um, to, you know, make sure there's kind of strategy, right? Kind of be frictionless within your business. And, you know, if it's kind of a, and consumer facing experience too, like drive that customer experience. Um, you know, I think that like best practice, like one and we tools, like some best practices, right? Um, like every tool must have an owner those that don't have an owner, like they don't get prioritized. Right. So if the, I like you know, that, you've got I like that couple a lot people, right. You tell some of our clients
0: that it's CXC. Emily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it has to have one owner, not multiple owners, like one owner that says like, I own the budget. I own the success of this tool. Obviously, like we kind of started in the beginning, like you're dependent, you have dependencies on other departments, but, um, you know, th- and there's a couple good, like Ted talks about this and things like that, but like every, every tool must have an owner. Um, So that's kind of the first thing. You know, I think the second is like eliminate overlap. So are there other departments that are already using a tool that do some of the same functions um, that you're looking for? So just being able to do that due diligence, right? Like what else are people using? Because then you get into situations if you do have, um, you know, a larger siloed organization where like, hey, we've got two tools that actually do pretty similar functions. Um, And then maybe in a smaller organization too where people feel um, you know, they feel empowered just to go and make selections on tools, you can, you can see that too. So it's, it's, you know, many companies and many organizations across the board might have multiple tools that do the same function. So that's the that's second, um, you know, I think that I always look at data, so in tools that we're using and I'll, and I'll get there right, but um, making sure that you can report on data, what are you trying to get out of the tool, right? Is it exportable data? And then kind of that flows into, does it integrate with um, other tools that you're already using? Or other tools that you needed to be using. So if you're using um, some type of Csat survey and then you're also using Salesforce, like do they integrate? Does it matter if they integrate? Are you okay if they don't integrate? Right. Um, but being able to do that due diligence, um, you know, a couple other best practices, right? Like, does it have an ROI? Like, what is the spend to save ratio? Anybody in kind of CX, um, when whether it's a um you know tools, uh, solutions, up you know playboxes in that space in regards to agent agent-centric tools or tools that you're using kind of on the on the back end of crm for your team um, what does that spend to save ratio right what is the business case for that and your your partner your vendor they'll help you with that right when you're selecting solutions like those are questions you should be asking like what can you help me with the business case especially if you've never created a business case and had to gone uh, you know had to go to your leadership team and um justify that especially in the market worn right now you know totally. don't be afraid to ask exactly. those questions like yeah. help me build a business case i really want this i know it's it's going to be helpful for me but i need to have that spend to save ratio um you know i think that like that i'll say the last the last couple things like monitoring consistent usage so now you've, you've got your tools like you've chosen your solutions like who's using them um are people logging in daily and if they're not if they're not logging in at all like that's not necessarily um, you know, accountability is, you know, you're not doing your job, but it's there's an underlying factor of like the tools obviously not useful. Right. It's a
0: people aren't it's a signal of some nature.
1: Right, right. It's yep. a leading indicator that this is not, you know, a strategic part of your team, or it's not it, if you want it to be that it's not um, you know, it's not set up, it's not implemented in the way that's making it, you know, easy for people to do their jobs. Um and then lastly, like, do you feel supported, right? Do, do you have a CSM? Do you like and we're all in the business of Totally. Experience. Yep. So, you know, so if I'm if I'm using a solution, like I want I want to see like, who's my CSM, right? Um, Absolutely. You know, and and how are they supporting us? So I think like when you talk about tools like like best practices and like, you know, kind of sorting that out first is so, so important. Um, you know, and before you kind of start figuring out, like, what tools do we use? How do we use them? What do those look like? What's our budget? Like, what are your best practices and kind of some of those non-negotiables for your team?
0: I love it. I think it's such, such good ideas there, Emily. And like, there's a couple build on thoughts from that is just like, it's crazy how many companies out there don't take time to do regular tech stack assessments. So just the thought of exactly what you just laid out, lay out your, 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 your most commonly used tool, your most expensive SaaS solution, however you want to stack the stuff and then go down the list and understand utilization. I love your idea about utilization rates. Right? It's crazy that more companies don't do this. Like some, especially growth focused companies, some of these companies were like, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year on a SaaS solution can make a big difference. It can either add additional roles. It can be more marketing. It could You could literally go get the next two or three BDRs to drive X number of dollars of revenue, whatever, more CS so that you can finally fix the leaky bucket and get more support on retention. And it's crazy how many companies just don't go through, do a basic utilization assessment once a quarter, once every six months, minimally once a year. But then I one of the things we do with our clients at CC, we do likes and dislikes. So then kind of jump into the EX side and kind of plan on some of the stuff that you guys are doing in play playbox with helping literal agent experience and employee experience to, to drive that CX. Then like take time to think about the likes and the dislikes. Like if you have your top three tools, 80% of your companies think that they're all terrible and they hate the tool and they think it's the worst thing ever. I don't know. Maybe somebody in the business should stop and like take a look at maybe if there's other tools that might make a little bit more sense. The last one is support. I think that you just this is like something mean. You could literally do an entire series on this. The world spends an ungodly amount of money, right? Like I, 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 I. There's some of these reports that I, 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 I talk about a lot with our. With a lot of our prospects and our clients, but like within the next five years, the globally we're going to be spending almost three quarters of a trillion dollars on SaaS solutions, and then globally utilization rates across most media, most enterprise and mid-market businesses floats in the twenty to thirty percent range. So then let's just let's just stop and think about that for a second. So some of the biggest companies on planet, and by the way, guys, Salesforce does 20 billion a year in revenue, just for context. So like when you start to think about what some of the biggest mid-market and enterprise uh, businesses in the world are doing with the money that they're spending on these tools, and then they only get 20 to 30 percent utilization rates, that's disgusting. And when you think about what COVID just showed us and what remote work, the transition into remote work normalists, he just showed us is like. Guys and gals don't want to show up to work and do a shitty job. Guys and gals want to show up and they want to know exactly which tools they want to use. They want to know exactly how how you want them to use it. They want to know exactly most people understand good inputs in equals good reporting out, right? And mm-hmm. so like, it's just crazy to me. I think that this is gonna be a topic that I think a lot of CX and CSers, whether they realize it or not, they're gonna kind of get pulled into this in the next couple of years. And I know really only some of the best and the brightest and the sharpest executive leadership teams in the world even remotely care about this stuff. So on the growth, on the growth business side, people aren't thinking about they're thinking about selling, they're thinking about how to get your marketing in the top of the funnel. They're thinking about how to just hang on, right? And keep who you got. And so it's like this is a whole world that I could just we could go on and on and on about it. it. Gets me fired up because I think that a lot of CX and CS leaders are going to end up owning this in the next five years, whether they realize it or not. Or they're going to be working with RevOps or their technology teams to do validation and to do basic assessments on on, on the actual on the actual facts, like the actual usability facts for both their teams and for their customer bases.
1: Right, right. No, I mean, I think that's spot on, and I think people lose lose sight of like. It's the people that are actually going to transform your organization, like through the technology, right? And so, if you're doing, um, you know, so we have a, a coaching product, right? So we've got customers that are, um, and we do this with our team too. Like our our team, we coach individuals, but it's um we're using the solution, we're using the technology but it's it's kind of that that ongoing coaching that we're doing through through the tool right the tool's not doing the coaching the tool's not going the solution's not going um to the end customer and and providing a different outcome right it's the you're using a solution using you know whether whatever solution that you're using right um to be able to you know kind of filter that through the people and that goes into like the concept of um you know like digital transformation right like so we talked about that a little bit too like um you know like digital like you think about like technology right that's like tools solutions data like the transformation piece is like that's like when you actually go to implement it so how do you get people to use it like what are the processes that you're using like you've just got all these great tools that's great but how are how are you going to use those right like what are the processes that you're going to take within your organization and then like your strategy right looking at all your options like how can you change your business your outcomes the business case from that so um, you know, I, I go back on like we it's the actual people using these solutions and that's where processes, like that's where those come into place, right? So, um, you know, we have a, a and I believe it's to like um, agent experience. So whether it's agent or customer experience like equals CX, right? Um, so whether it's you have a team of CSMs or a team of um, Agents or specialists, whatever, whatever kind of the, the nomenclature that you use, but like AX equals CX, like a good agent experience, a good experience for a frontline worker, as we called it, right? Um, is going to make a good customer experience. And so, how do you do that? Right. In kind of that, that communication, how do you do that with that, that digital transformation? So, um, you know, kind of like, kind of go into those processes, right? Like the first is like building the culture. So like building the capabilities that you need for people to be like willing and able, like two separate things, right? Willing and able to use the technology. So um, a lot of folks, and you kind of mentioned like technology roadmaps and like data roadmaps, like that, like people can get sidetracked in that, right? Like adoption just cannot be created in that like linear manner. Like it has to be part of the plan from the start. So we've just bought a solution, we've just bought a tool how are we going to implement it like what's the change management for us and that's a big part of like my team from a customer view when i onboard um when we onboard folks right making sure that like change management you're not just buying a solution like you've got to figure out like how you're going to implement it right how you're going to get adoption how you're going to get people to ensure that they're um this is going to help them in their role right so i think like technology investment first from business case and then from the technology and you know, having those business outcomes to get traction within that digital transformation, right? So that's kind of like the first concept, like kind of build that culture. Um, you know, and then you kind of go into like the people, right? Like hire help helping people to learn like different than teaching people. And so we didn't talk too much about like the team and like kind of investing in the team, but like a good example is that just like how do you invest in the team, right? Like talking about um which like super passionate about, like this idea of like data driven decision making, like data driven, like how often do you hear the word data driven? (laughs) Like
0: not not nearly enough, not nearly enough, right?
1: (laughs) Like data driven, like data driven, right? Like it's 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 one of those things like nobody really knows what that means. Right. And so like, I think the idea is like, how do you build a culture that is data informed rather than data driven? Right.
0: Exactly.
1: so you're not making decisions just based off on what's a spread what's on a spreadsheet, right? So your customer, if you, you did a survey and um you've got one piece of data here, your your team is saying one thing, but you're making decisions based on your inferences, right? Your yep. experience with the data. So I think that's a big piece, like helping people, helping your team to learn, um, helping your team to learn how to um how to ingest data and then how to make decisions off the data because that's what, right. That's what all these solutions and tools are doing, right. They're outputting data for you. And yep. like, what do you do with all that data? Like there's right. so much <laughs> of it. <laughs> Wait, there's,
0: a, And here's another thing that I love how you kind of dissected this, but like, um, there's the, de- the, the data decision-making and then there's the data informed and guys, listeners, please just start there and listen to that because what Emily is saying is spot on. You don't, okay, let's say you have, a, you have a, you know, 400 person company, you don't need 400 people in the business to know how to think strategically and intimately about data governance, data structure, data cleanliness, the way that you like literally house and form- format your data. You need a handful of people that do well. You do, however, want 400 of your teammates extremely well data informed for their yeah. for their given areas. Or, or I would argue, this is going back to kind of what we were chatting about at the beginning of the show, but like, if you if you if your business already has like a voice of customer task force, awesome because then the VOC task force can really kind of take the uh, the good, bad, and the ugly from marketing and sales and customer success and DevOps and maybe even some of the other more administrative things that our customers or our users kind of go through on the back end. But if you're not if your company's not taking some time to sort of show a bigger picture of what that voice of customer or that that drumbeat or that pulse of the customer is kind of saying, feeling, hearing, suggesting every month or every quarter minimally should be quarter they should realistically be every month and some of the best companies do this stuff on like a bi-weekly basis i understand that volume is a player right so some really really big companies two weeks pass by they might have a million tickets that's a lot of data right. to play with. right so right, focus right companies that are focused on their first maybe you know 10 to 20 million bucks it might only be a couple hundred things to look at and it, it, sometimes you can draw good stories and good conversation and good dialogue off of it and sometimes you can't because it's just it shows you a basic type of a direction but like For our listeners, just what Emily just said there is super important. Who in your business is the strategic data engineers and the folks that can truly help you crafting the story? And then who who are the folks that need to be data informed? And how can you as a CX and a CS leader play a role in all that? Because frankly, the people that do that really, really, really well, they become chief customer officers and they become people that are in a really unique position in the executive suite, which is they kind of bounce across all the different Departments and teams, and they help to weave the story together. They help to weave the opportunities together, and then they keep the executive, um, they keep the executive leadership team. They keep them honest about the things that the market will and won't put up with, or will or won't spend money on, or will or won't leave you for. So, like, I think, and, and this is why this is an exciting time to be in our space, Emily, because there's going to be more and more incredible opportunities where companies are going to want people like us who are sitting in the sitting in those meetings, sitting in those strategy sessions, sitting in those product roadmap buildouts and, and prioritization sessions. Helping to lead the charge based off of what the customer is saying, feeling, and really kind of believing.
1: Yeah, I think I think that that's like spot on, right? I you know, I think like you have to build that culture where it's okay to ask questions about the data, right? And it, like I said, like it doesn't tell you what to do. The data, the spreadsheet does not tell you how to run your business, right? And it doesn't tell you what customers are saying. It's your interpretation and your judgment of the data that can actually drive the change. And so folks that are in kind of that that um that very, very customer-facing role, um, you know. Out how to tell that story, right? I think you said it, said it, right? Like how to weave that story up to drive like actual changes within the business, actual process changes. And then, you know, that, that's kind of like that, that last piece of like the feedback, right? Like getting, getting experience from, or excuse me, getting, um, getting feedback from the experiences that your customers have, from the experiences that your CS team has, like there's so much data, like, like in nuggets everywhere, right? And so being able to pull that out and then, like I said, like having the culture that people like it's okay to ask questions about the data like i'll like reiterate that like building a culture where like it's okay to ask questions about the data what are the data saying what do we want it to say um what needle are we trying to move like it's all about outcomes right so we've got um we've got this uh this piece of data over here telling us um, you know our 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 inferences, right? Say that yep. your know, customers yep. are acting in this behavior. Where do we want it to be, right? And what's the story that we're trying to drive story. to the other totally. parts of the business? I, that's right? what I was
0: waiting for you to say. I knew you were going to say that. It's the storytelling, guys. Like the minute that you can, you might not think that you're like super super uh, sharp with with data or with data science or with analytical um, assessments, but like. Frankly, you don't have to be. If you understand what, like Emily said, if you understand what the numbers are suggesting, you understand what the what the data is potentially indicating. Frankly, I think the deeper I get into my career, Emily, I'm starting to realize more. Most executives just get excellent at storytelling with data, right? So, like, they understand the piece of like, you can't just come up with a bunch of like random stories that don't are backed by anything specific or in real life. But the minute that you start to tell stories based on, hey, here's what I learned over the last quarter about these 100 accounts. X, Y, and Z. Here's what I learned about the way that these 100 users used our product last month, X, Y, and Z. The minute you start getting into that type of world, number one, I promise you, you're going to get invited to far more executive or extended leadership team meetings because they're going to want you to report out of this. And then storytelling, like anything, is a practice skill, right? The the, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And then on top of it, the better you get at sort of seeing how some of your comrades across different aisles. How they might maybe tell a marketing story with that, or maybe how they tell the sales and revenue. I mean, sales and revenue. There's some of the some of the reasons why they make the big bucks is because they have to tell the story every damn month on what you're going to sell, what you're not going to sell, what you maybe are going to lose, what you maybe are going to upsell. Um, but now CX and CS, enter CX and CSers. This is our this is like a time to shine because we're we're looking at the journey, we're looking at the entire customer journey. Plus, we understand support and success metrics typically better than anyone in the business. So, to your point about after after a deal crosses the finish line we're the retention experts we're the people that are either going to make or break that ltv getting to whatever you project your ltv to be at and then second of all we're the ones that think about where upsell cross-sell retention expansion promotership. we're the ones that engineer and craft and offer that stuff right so all all fantastic ideas and by the way these were all perfectly fit inside of our third pillar process so thank you for the digital transformation part too I Emily. Mean, you're right it's like taking some time to think about all the different pieces that you laid out there too Super, super imperative for a growing business and, and, and taking time at least, I would argue, setting some type of cadence, again, whether it's a monthly or quarterly, um, but like super important to take time to sit down with your team and really kind of think about how you're actually leveraging or building or acting on your own digital transformation experience internally and externally. So I love it. Um, Emily, let's yeah, jump into the fourth yeah. and, the, and the final pillar of feedback. Um, uh, Dual sided question. So I want you to break this up, but I'd love to hear how you and the team at Playbox are kind of thinking about how you collect, leverage, and act upon your employee feedback. And then I'd love to kind of hear how you guys are leveraging your employee feedback today as well. So customer feedback and employee feedback.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I'll start with the, I'll start with the employee feedback. Right. So, um, one, like we ask our employees, right. I think that's the first thing is like, are you asking the questions? And then you can get into like, are you asking the right questions? Right. So, um, so whether it's a survey, so we have a survey that that pops through Slack for just our employees, um, um you know just kind of a state of, of how are you feeling how is kind of work right how the very general questions
0: right um uh, what's but, assembly? are you guys doing that monthly or are you doing a week so yeah
1: you- so we do it monthly yeah so it's a monthly survey that pops to employees that they can then go and and fill out um and it's all anonymous right for just just for us to get again like a pulse on employees like um so there's questions on you know work-life balance right there's questions on like do you have all the the physical um structure you know a desk a chair like do you have that stuff right which you know is was definitely very relevant in, in 2020 right um as as a lot of people are working from home and and that was kind of new for for many folks um you know and then just like how is your workload right um are you on um, track to like the vision of the the organization like do you feel challenged do you feel a career opportunity so there's just kind of that um the things that are applicable to all right all employees some of those questions but again asking like asking the questions are the first way to start and you don't have to have going back to tools like you might say like oh we don't have budget for a tool like could put it in like a google form right you can put it in a google survey right like you don't have to have literally everyone
0: has these tools you're spot on everybody has like the basic version of these tools that you need to do some of this stuff
1: yes and if you you know and if you you say you know what i'm not i'm not prepared i'm not resourced to like start doing like a monthly survey like don't commit to like hey we're going to do this monthly survey for all of our employees but just have it be kind of a beta or like you know one time hey we just want to send out this you know 2023 survey on um you know on our for our employees right ask a series of questions right it can be um it can start as kind of a one-time um, thing if you're not already doing it um and if you're not ready to do it to your whole employee base like start with your team right so kind of going into like a little bit more like what what am i doing within my team um so t- doing um collecting information after events is really really important so you know kind of i, I gave the example of like uh, surveying like your entire employee database at, at different um you know different times but then you if you have an event so if you you think of if you've got a, a kickoff if you're bringing everybody in person together um are you surveying people after that right are you at, like again asking questions like was it valuable was it good use of time um you know did you enjoy the travel did you not enjoy it, right just some of those like general general questions that um we think we know the answers to but when you actually Like ask people in that format, you might get very different results. And then there's kind of that second piece. You think about event, you know, event triggered surveys for employees. um, If you do a training, so we do, you know, training. Like training is just so so important, right? And we talked about that a little bit in like tools and processes. But um, it's something that happens not just once, but it's continuous. Um, You have to train for new situations, for new use cases. Like it keeps people engaged. Um, People want knowledge. They want to grow. They want to learn, which is also very important when you're looking at like the demographic of your team. Where are they at in their growth and career journeys? Right. That that training. So um, so surveying employees after you do trainings, right? After you have an event that you might intro a new product, um, you know, those repeatable processes and, and being able to like take that data you've got the survey results, and then you can, you know, implement that into your next training, like is really, really important. So those are just a couple of examples, like how we're surveying like our internal team. Um, Like I said, we'll do we'll do things kind of at a company level and then also do um, kind of pulse checks for my team. So it might just be a a smaller survey. Um, It might just be an individual like asking questions to specific teams, you know, within um, kind of my larger customer success org, right? asking questions to just the onboarding team. Right. Some really, really targeted questions to them. So I would say, like, start with the questions. Like, are you asking the questions um, to your team before you even say, like, what do I do with the results?
0: I, I think that's super smart. And then I just also, I really like your idea of just general, like the events, it, like every one of our listeners knows what common events have both a customer and an employee side happened, right? onboarding, like closing a deal, onboarding, starting a new job. You just hired five new CSMs. Great. Oh, you just finished CSM onboarding. Oh, great. You finished client onboarding. Great. Like yep. the, there's milestones that all of you guys can easily just write down and get on a list think about how you kind of hit those milestones for feedback and then you start to compartmentalize feedback in a very different way and then you can get away i'm look i know a lot of people love mps a lot of people love csap but like they're not the only ways that you can <laughs> collect and leverage yeah. feedback. As there's other yeah. creative ways and then make it fun too i think that's the other thing so like i've seen a lot of a lot of the clients that we're working with at ccm they do some really fun things around like it can, be, it can be about your CX and your EX, but there's other ways that you can, it's a snapshot in time to get a, a count, a measure, or a pulse on specific big things that are happening in your business. So I love that idea of like, figure out what the milestones are, figure out what the events are, and then so, start to build some of your, your 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 reasoning around what types of questions you're going to ask from that. I think it's really, really smart.
1: Yeah, and you can take like, what you're doing internally, like take those to your team. So, so we kind of do that same thing with customers, right? So um, voice of customer is really important, right? Um, whether it's at a um, proactive, like you said, or like a reactive. So within CS, you can kind of think reactive, uh, customers put in a support ticket. We're sending them out a survey, like, how was your experience with support, right? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, so it's very reactive, right? They, they came to you for a question and now we're kind of surveying. So those are definitely useful, um, useful results and stuff that like you want to do. Um, but then there's the other side of that that is that like proactive survey um so six months into their customer lifecycle, right if you think about their journey um so kind of post onboarding they're now six months in like how is your experience with your customer success manager how is your experience um going with our product right depending on kind of your, you know, customer, whether it's B2B or B2C, but, um, you know, that like proactive survey results, and, you know, there's a lot of best practices about surveys, depending on if you're looking for like research survey where it is, you know, you're setting up, hey, this is going to be a five minute survey, right? Or if it's just like two to three questions, right? Um, You know, customer effort score is also, you know, you you mentioned NPS, like customer effort score is something that is, you know, I think becoming more and more prevalent, like, how easy is it to do business with you? How easy it's, is it to it's use your pretty product? Straight, it's
0: pretty straightforward. I, I, I'm a big fan of of, uh, of customer effort scoring as well. And you're right. It's just straightforward. It's plain. And you're not asking these weird questions where whoever the respondent is kind of feels like they got to give a different type of answer. It's not, you know, it's like, it's plain Jane type of question. It's like, how easy was it? It's And, and it's, again, most growth companies, they're not leveraging this accordingly. They focus so much on NPS. And it's like, you're right. Like once you start to get past maybe that that first tranche of growth or maybe your first stable of 10 or 100 or, you know, 500 customers, like you can get creative with which cohorts you want to blast different types of surveys to or in different types of counts and measures on. Right. It gives you a more view.
1: Right. And you can kind of start a segment because you do, you want to be careful, right? Like you don't want to send out um 20 surveys within 30 days, right? On the very drastic side about different topics. So you do have to kind of look at the customer journey okay they're in this onboarding phase they're in this kind of middle phase now they're in maybe a renewal phase or whatever you you know again your services are um and what's appropriate at that time and kind of segment it out that way um but you know like that's good data like you have to start start with just asking the questions and so if you're not doing surveys on your customers right um you know pick what part of that experience is most important for you so you might say Um, onboarding is so important we want to make sure after a customer gets into our product like they are having a great experience then start with that start with like the onboarding experience um or if you say you know what support like our product it's a freemium product and like support is what's really really important for us like start with support right making sure that like you've got that survey and then you can kind of build on that right so we are at a more um we are at a more advanced stage of our of our i'll say survey life cycle right where we do have um, tools to be able to survey our customers um, as well and so um, but but kind of mapping that out right where you like you don't even really not start there right when you kind of go back to that like jack of all trades when you've got people that are doing many tasks right but be able to um, you know kind of segment okay this is again this is the this is what's really really crucial um, and lastly, I'll say like any survey results like you got to do something with the feedback So be prepared to like take the feedback and do something with it. So it's great if you survey your employees or your customers, and they all tell you, you got to start, you got to do X, Y, and Z, or I would, would have been great if you would have, you know, sent me a, you know, sent me a meeting invite, you know, on a Monday instead of a Tuesday. Well, then start sending the meeting invites on Monday, right? Like you've got to actually take the survey results and like make change. And I, and I would say like if you don't have the capacity to do that like limit the surveys right so that's why you're not creating a survey about support and onboarding and all these different processes like if you're saying i only have the bandwidth i only have the resources right now to to make changes within my um my onboarding process focus on that because you'll get the results and then you can make the changes right so um you know sometimes like going back to our data right like all these data informed decisions there's so much data like, what do you do? What do you do with all the data? So do do that would be all? kind of my advice. Like if you're going to, if you're going to ask people how they feel, yeah, <laughs> it's, right, it's, right. It's like, and if you put it into like actual, um, like consumable, you're asking people how they feel like you got to,
0: take that and make changes with it right so 100 agree yep that's why i delete. No, i was just gonna say that's why i delete every one of my airline surveys it just gets a delete because <laughs> it's like you guys are so good at asking all the right questions but what's changed about airlines in like literally 37 years what has changed about them nothing so like but a great point and then especially with our growth focused listeners right now emily if you're working at a startup if you're working at a growth focused company you're a series a b c and beyond you guys are building, you're literally building, you're figuring stuff out, nothing's guaranteed. Stop listening to your leadership team if they're telling you it's guaranteed because that can all change quickly. Just as fast as it is to build a company from $0 to a $100 million company in five years, you can. it can go the other way too. Yeah. The way that you combat that, you're right. It's taking action regularly, daily, hourly, on the feedback that you're getting about your product, your service, your sales, your support, your success, your, your all the stuff, your content, the marketing content that's out there in the world, you got to be taking action on that. So fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, advice there, Emily. Emily, before, this has been incredible, awesome ideas in the four pillars, so many good examples and golden nuggets for our listeners today. Before I let you go, where can people uh, find out more about Playbox and where can people get in touch with you, Emily, if they want to reach out to you and if they want to rap more about all the awesome things that are happening at, C- uh, at Playbox and the CX and the CS world?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, playbox.com, we've got a lot of great um, info just on our products, um, our LinkedIn page, we've got a lot of really great customer um, brands as well. And so they've done a lot of really great, um, really great things. And they have, you know, some fantastic stories about how they've changed their space, they've changed CX. Um, and so we've got a lot of that content out there within our our website and then our you know our LinkedIn page and then you know for me like I love 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 talking to folks and connecting with people on LinkedIn especially those that uh, maybe are kind of starting out like you kind of t- talked about early on right starting out and you know they don't know where to start right they've got kind of a well they wear may, maybe wear many hats and they're looking for you know kind of their next uh, move or figuring out how to make it so um, absolutely like reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with anybody. I'm happy to, to chat one-on-one, um, as well. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn.
0: Love it. Awesome. Uh, Emily, it's been our absolute pleasure having you on the CX Chronicles podcast. Can't wait to see what you and the team at Playbox do next, and I'll look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you moving forward in the future.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning into customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website. And as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.